0: Good morning, Journey. How y'all doing? Good. My name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm really honored to get to uh, to be here uh, to preach. I don't take it lightly. Um, always got to shake off the cobweb, shake off the nerves a little bit, but I'm glad to be here. We're going to be in Matthew chapter eight. If you'll turn uh, there in your Bibles, I want to do this. We talked about community impact, but global impact is really important to our church. So I want to recognize Philip and Heidi Lytle, who if you guys would just raise your hands, we have been supporting them in ministry in Israel. You've heard us talk about them for a long time, so we're really glad they're uh, they're here seeing some family. They're from the area, and they've been ministering way longer than we've been supporting them there in Israel. So thank you guys for being there trying to, to minister to people in Israel. We're really glad that you guys are here today. If you get a chance afterwards, say hi to them and welcome them. Of course, our seven laps venue, as the the, uh, the two comedians on the uh, screen just told us a minute ago about uh, what we've got coming here in two weeks, we're opening up our seven laps venue. So kind of be able to continue to make room for people as people are coming back, as we have an opportunity to hang out afterwards. It's so much easier when we got a little more room to do that. So right here on site, literally on the other side of this wall will be our venue uh, at 930. So uh, we're hoping we've got a bunch of people who will come and be a part of that. As we continue to minister, we've got one more Saturday night next week, and then everyone will move on Sunday morning to be a part of what we're doing here in four services on Sunday morning. We're in our um, our uh, series that Pastor Christian started a few weeks ago, Lessons in Faith. And if you remember, the series' premise was to learn key lessons of faith that will need to help us follow a teacher named Jesus whose teaching has captured our hearts. And I want to share with you the two goals that I have for you today, the two goals that uh, I'm hoping by the end will impact your heart, And, and that is to see that storms that affect our lives can do something special on the inside of us. I really believe that, and I hope that happens in your heart today. And there it went again. And then the second one is to see another piece of evidence that Jesus demonstrated that he was God. Literally, we're going to see that Jesus demonstrates that he's God. Uh, but before we do that, we always want to pray. We always want to kind of pause. There's no sense doing a study if we're not really asking God to impact our hearts. There's no sense if we're not really saying, God, would you speak to me? Would you, would you challenge me? So can we just close our eyes? Maybe this is the first moment this week you've really paused. So let's do that. Can we just take a deep breath? And let's, uh, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we love you. And we just pray today that you'd speak to us through your word. Father, as we open up what was recorded in the gospel of Matthew, we pray that you would penetrate our hearts. Each and every one of us needs this message today. I know that I do. So I pray that you would speak to us. Father, we love you. We thank you for your truth that comes forth in the power of your word through your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're in Matthew chapter 8, 23 through 27. You'll see it here on the screen. It says this, "'Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. "'Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake "'so that the waves swept over the boat. "'But Jesus was sleeping. "'The disciples went and woke him, saying, "'Lord, save us, we're gonna gonna drown,' he replied. "'He replied, "'You of little faith, why are you so afraid?' Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Well, you know that uh, I think the last time I preached, I talked about the fact that I like to take naps. In fact, I've been captured on a couple of different trips, napping in the airport, napping on the plane, napping in the car ride. When I'm in Israel, sorry, I get a little motion sickness on the bus, so so I, I can sleep on a bus, but I have found one place that I can't sleep. Jesus apparently was okay with it. He slept in a boat. Uh, my stepdad took me on a fishing trip, and it was three hours out. Well, one, that's boring, three hours out. Uh, And it was a little rocky. I thought, well, maybe I can sleep. So I fell asleep and slept literally for about an hour. But when I woke up, I have never been so sick in my entire life. I literally dry heaved for 90 minutes. I wish I was kidding. And then I got up and caught an eight-foot shark. Yes! (laughs) But it was miserable. (laughs) So I don't recommend sleeping on a boat. But Jesus apparently can do so, and he was that calm. But this text, it highlights three important aspects. It really does. Three important aspects that I want to share with you today. And the first one is problems. Problems. Did you see what it said? They had one in 23 through 25. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. And suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Now, when you think about drowning, I'm sure that if you Googled it, it's probably one of the top two or three horrible ways, horrible ways to die. I mean, it's one of our fears, right? You get out in the ocean, you get out on the lake, and you're, you're a little bit worried about it. Actually, Pastor Scott, I think, nearly drowned on a trip we were on one time. He floated off, and we had trouble getting him back. It, it can be terrorizing. I had what I can only consider a glimpse of drowning. I had shoulder surgery. I, I played I played baseball, and um, I you know in high school you're at least warmed up. Your coach would teach you to warm up. Well, when you get into uh, college and after college, and you're playing with your buddies, you don't necessarily warm up too much. You don't you don't warm up on the lefty. You don't necessarily warm up the uh, rocket launcher. Uh, you know from uh, And so, and needless to say, I injured it by not necessarily stretching too good. You know, I was throwing guys out at home. And uh, so I had this shoulder surgery, and they didn't put me under well enough. And so I came to during this procedure and started choking on the breathing tube that was down my throat. And I can remember, I thought it was a nightmare or a dream. Well, apparently it was real. I was pulling the tube out, and it shot because of the pressure. It shot fluid into my lungs to what you call pulmonary edema, fluid on the lungs. And I have never fought so hard to breathe for the next 48 hours than I did after that. Blood oxygen levels kept dipping. I mean, I was, they kept waking me up all the time. My father-in-law came to get me. My my wife is pregnant. I forgot to mention that. She was pregnant with our first child, Hannah, who's now, who's nearly 20. The guy you see uh, worshiping on stage sometimes. And so I think she thought she was going to be a single mom uh, that I wasn't going to make it, but she invited uh, her parents. Like, I think you need to come see him. I'm not sure if he's going to make it. And so they left the room and my father-in-law who's kind of a man's man. I got queasy. This is the second time I'm talking about puking. This is great. (laughs) And my father-in-law 42 year railroader is holding the puke bucket. (laughs) He, he, he didn't come back. Uh, (laughs) He just said, I I hope he's all right. So not a good moment. So if that's a glimpse of trying to gasp for air, I can't even imagine. They had a problem. They had a problem. They were worried about drowning. And the one thing that's true of problems is that no doubt about it, everyone has them. Everyone has problems. And in the many people that we minister to on on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, many of them who are dealing with problems, they come on suddenly, just like the folks on the boat, the disciples on the boat. It came on suddenly. And over the years, I found that sometimes people lean into those problems. Um, They lean into their faith and God gets them through it. And others, they kind of, they tend to question their faith and they, they tend to go, why? Why God, why are we going through this? In fact, it's interesting in the gospel of Mark verse 38, Mark records it this way. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Like they were in kind of a moment of panic. Lord, do you even care that we're drowning? And I think the truth is this, problems we face often turn into fear and excessive worry. They really can. And maybe that's you. Uh, the same for some of you. It, it was for the disciples. They were in this moment of panic. They were in this moment of worry. In the midst of this problem, their first default was panic and worry. And again, maybe that's some of you who came in here today. Maybe you came in and you're in a moment of like, hey, Lord, don't you care that this is going on? My, my finances are a mess and we're not sure what we're going to do. Don't you care? Lord, my family member is in the midst of a really difficult battle in their health. Don't you care? Like, Lord, I'm in a relationship and I'm not sure if it's going to make it. Don't, don't, don't you care? Like, my job is a mess, Lord. I don't know how much more I can take. Don't you care? Don't you care? So we've, we've all had these moments, and I think we have a choice. I think we have a choice to make in the midst of these problems. Will we turn to God or will we turn away from God? And we need to know this. Here's kind of the first lesson in faith today. The physical storms in our life that cause us to question God or to lean in are the things that build our faith. Like these are the things that build our faith. So the first thing I want you to know as I read this is that I have problems and you have problems. We all do, but I believe Jesus wants our faith to have perseverance. And that's the second thing that stood out to me, perseverance. Did you notice that Matthew records that he addressed the disciples first? He didn't get up, calm the waves. He talked to the disciples first. Here's what he said in Matthew 8, 26. He he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Now, if you look at the Greek here, it actually doesn't mean like short in stature. You of little faith means of short duration. It didn't mean they were their faith was small in stature. It meant their faith it wasn't lasting very long. Like they they had short memories. The disciples had already forgotten. If you like we're we're in the 23rd. Uh, verse of chapter 8, the first 22 uh, verses all talked about these miracles that he had done. They literally had just experienced Jesus heal a leper, this beautiful moment, like this would have been something I would imagine should have been ingrained. Now, here's me talking about their faith. I'll, I'll talk about my own lack of faith in a moment. But here, they literally saw someone who right? When Pastor Christian talked about this a couple of weeks ago, remember he talked about how no one would come anywhere near a leper. Like they would have to shout, remember? They would have to shout, unclean, don't come near me, unclean, because it was so contagious and because literally once you got it, you were considered dead. And they saw this moment where where Jesus literally came right up and touched a leper and then healed him. They saw and just a couple of weeks ago, when the centurion had sent someone to say, "Hey, my my servant, my slave is uh, is is uh, may die. Can you heal them?" And literally, Jesus healed this person like from a distance. Didn't even touch the guy. And then, of course, we know that uh, very close in their circle, in case they didn't somehow remember those, Peter's very own mother-in-law was healed just a few verses before, just a few possibly moments or days before this. So they had short memories. And I think Jesus knew he needed, I think these challenges, because if you look in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus has a a similar encounter with Peter when Peter says, hey, Lord, call to me. This is another instance on the Sea of Galilee where he literally, Jesus walked on water and then he challenged Peter to do the same. And when Peter started taking his eyes off Jesus and started sinking, he said the same thing: "Hey, you—you you of little faith! Like, are you already forgetting again? Like, you are—you're here with with me." And so he he knew that their their faith needed to be of long duration. If they were going to be the, the the group of people that he was entrusting the gospel to, if this is going to be the group of people that was going to forever help change the world because of the truth of the gospel, he needed them to have longer than a couple of days of faith. And so he was challenging them. But in the meantime, in this instance, they were having short memories. Can I ask you today, what has Jesus done in your life that you've already forgotten? What has he done through you that you've already forgotten? I know that God has taken care of my family in so many instances. And then there's days and I'm like, "Is are, are you going to do it? I, like I've already doubted. I've already forgotten. And I think he's looking at me going, Ryan, you, you of little faith. How many times do I have to take care of you? How many times do I have to walk you through this for you to, to walk with some confidence, with some perseverance in your faith so I know it's happened to me. So to the disciples, you have little faith. It, it wasn't a compliment. <laughs> right? I mean, it wasn't like me and my fraternity brothers growing up where, you know, there was a few put downs in our fraternity house to say the least, but this was Jesus kind of going, come on guys, you have little faith. And it's interesting as you, as you look at scripture, you look at the old Testament, you see all these, what we might say, heroes of the faith, people whose faith was of long duration. Like Noah, I don't think people, I think people think, "Oh, he built that boat in a week. No, it took 120 years for him to build Noah's ark, to build the ark, right? It took, it took Moses, after he had kind of uh, failed and, and killed that person and then ran off, it took 40 years for him to sit and kind of wait for God to give him his next direction. And then Abraham, right, was promised an heir, promised a son. And he took 25 years to finally see the fruition of that promise. And Joseph, right, the great Old Testament Joseph, whose brothers threw him in a pit, wanted him dead, lied about him. He got he got um, taken to Potiphar as a slave. And then uh, his wife, uh, Potiphar's wife, accuses him of coming on to her and attempted rape, so to speak, and, and he goes to jail. And so for 13 years, he's waiting for God to rescue him, to use him. If these Old, uh, Old Testament men of faith... Man, they needed one more day of faith to see God come to fruition. They just, if they had given up early, they would have missed out on what we now know of these tremendous acts of faith, knowing that God was going to be with them. There was, their faith had long duration. I think Paul knew the importance of this. He no doubt from being in jail, from being beaten. Uh, read about Paul and what he went through. There's times where I, I kind of have a pity party for myself and I begin to go, wait a minute. Okay, I haven't been shipwrecked. I haven't been beaten by, by 40 lashes minus one. Uh, I haven't been put in prison. Okay, I think I can have a little better faith. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 5. He says, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Paul knew it. He knew he needed to have perseverance, and if he would have perseverance, it would bring him godly character, which would in turn bring him hope. So would you describe your faith as long in duration? And if not, do you find your default is often fear and anxiety and worry and doubt? I want to share with you this. It's a lesson of faith, a life of strength amid many problems, which we do. We have many problems. Requires long faith. It does. It It requires long faith. But I also want to be sensitive. I want you to know this. A life of strength doesn't mean you have it all together. It means you know who is holding it all together. Do you understand that? It doesn't mean you have everything all together. It means you know who is holding it all together. And that is a tremendous feeling. I want you to know this, that when you have perseverance in Jesus, when you know where your strength comes from, I believe Jesus wants us to share it with others. I do. I think he wants you to say, hey, you you who have realized that God's going to walk with you, I now want you to help others to, to, to experience that same thing. Do you know what that's called? discipleship. When you figure out how to rely on Jesus, when you figure out how to know that he's going to be with you, you are becoming a disciple. You are growing in your faith. He now wants you, as Matthew 28 said, he wants you to disciple others. And so you've heard us talking about the discipleship tracks, right? Pastor Mike, Pastor Christian, the team has been working on this discipleship tracks, And there's four of them, right? The Jesus track, the scripture track, the life track. We've talked about all three of those today. I wanted to share with you. The leadership is all about not only becoming a disciple, but being a disciple maker. And I want to encourage you, if you have, you have not figured out which discipleship track, I want to encourage you. This would be a tremendous one to be a part of, to help you to grow. Not only we will equip you, but it isn't about gaining knowledge. Yes, you're going to learn some truths. Yes, you're going to learn some things, but we want you to learn how to take what God has done in your life and learn how to share it with others. Because if we don't, if we don't disciple, if the disciples didn't disciple, you and I wouldn't be in this room. We want to continue to be a strong church that disciples others and helps others. So if you haven't signed up, you can do so on this card that's in your bulletin. You can sign up. We have actually, Pastor Mike and the team, have put together videos. So if you were to go to our website, click on Discipleship Tracks, you literally can see not only an introduction about what these Discipleship Tracks are about, but you can click on each one, and there'll be about a 30-second video telling you what that group is about. And then you can click a link to go explore them. And see what your options are. And my hope is that every single person in our church would get in a discipleship track. Why? Because we're commanded to. We're commanded to. Matthew 28, we are commanded to. So I hope and pray that each one of you will do that. Take the perseverance that you have have gained in your life, the faith that has grown longer. And even if you're like, well, maybe I don't qualify because I'm not a leader. You don't have to be a leader to go to that group. Maybe you think, I don't qualify because, man, I I struggle and my faith is short often. Get get in that group, get equipped, help us to continue to walk with you. But Jesus knows that this perseverance, it has to require the right perspective. So the third thing, we realize there's problems, we have to have perseverance, but oftentimes it has to come with the right perspective. In Matthew 8, 27, it says, The men were amazed and asked... What kind of man is this, even the winds and the waves obey him now, no doubt, just in the days prior to this, there was a whole lot going on in their minds. I think there was a whole lot swirling around. If you were here with us last week, Pastor Marcellus Casey, the chaplain of the Kansas City Chiefs, was here, and he talked about uh, he talked about the cost of following jesus and if you remember the text. Uh, Jesus had told a man who was kind of debating whether to follow Jesus. He's like, wait, let me go, let me go take care of my dad. Let me go bury my, my, my father. And, and he talked about how that that wasn't really necessarily the case. It was more of an excuse. And he said, he said, let the dead bury their dead. And I think right after that, he jumps in this boat with the disciples. And I think clearly they're kind of scratching their head like, is this guy worth following? Like, that's a hard teaching. Did he just tell that guy to go let the dead bury their dead? like man i don't, I don't I don't know now we we have some commentary and we have some study and we have some some speculation of what we think he was saying, but remember this is real time, and we can sometimes look at their faith and go, "Wow,, they got such weak faith, but they're wrestling, and I think in this moment they're kind of not only are they having this possible panic attack, but they're wrestling digging deep, like, who is this guy? Is he worth following And I want to say this, maybe you're here and you're a thinker like you're really you you you're a deep thinker and and you've had you've had trouble grabbing on to faith you've had trouble grasping this this Jesus thing that you see maybe a friend who just is like on fire for Jesus and then just Jesus says everything and you're kind of like i'm just chewing on it it's okay like the disciples probably every one of them had those moments in fact i think there's one of them called doubting thomas Right, like even one of the 12 was was a doubter, right? John 20 tells us about doubting Thomas. So the disciples were reflecting, and maybe you're here, and you've, you've been as someone who's reflecting, and you're struggling, and, and you're here at church trying to say, Lord, I'm... Or maybe you're not even saying, Lord, maybe it's not even a prayer yet. You're just like, hmm, let me figure this thing out. I'm glad you're here. We're glad you're here. I don't care if it takes you a year to figure it out. My hope and prayer... And my belief is that as you investigate it, and I'll give you some resources in a moment, that you'll understand and realize that you can have a perspective that tells you that Jesus is worth following. So these disciples are reflecting in this moment, right? They need to dig deep, and I think they're saying, who is this guy? What, can, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Literally, he just calmed a storm. And I think there's no doubt their their perspective was beginning to change and they were realizing that Jesus is God and he is worth following. Like that's a big step to take. Like this, this is God. We're following God. He, he literally just calmed the winds and the waves. And, and these young men, most of them were, were Jewish young men, and and they knew the Old Testament. Some of them may have known it really well. And so they would have known that the Old Testament scriptures would have clearly pointed to the fact that attributes of God that can control nature, that that God is the creator, were only attributed to God. Like in Psalm 137, They would have known this, the Lord does whatever pleases him in the heavens and on the earth and the seas and all their depths. He makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth. He sends lightning with the rain and brings out of the wind from its storehouses. These are attributes that only God can do. And literally, they just saw Jesus do it. And I believe this, this is what's true. Your perspective changes when you have confidence in who Jesus is. Like you can have great confidence when your perspective about who God is, about who Jesus is, and Jesus literally just told the wind and the waves to be still. Right in front of them, he literally just told the winds and the waves. So I believe clearly he proved himself to be God over and over by these miraculous signs, by these miraculous events of controlling creation, by his resurrection. Now when I first came to Christ, I I didn't know much. I was twenty three years old. I didn't know much about faith. I didn't know much about the Bible. And so I wanted to, to research and study as much as I can and some great resources that I wanted to share with you, especially if you're a thinker today. One of the first books I read was by Lee Strobel, who was a atheist whose wife came to Christ and he thought she'd lost her mind. So he was uh, an investigative reporter with the Chicago Tribune, I believe it was, and he decided to investigate. And so, this is a tremendous book on looking deep into questions you might have, uh, doubts you might have. It's a tremendous book. Another one is "Evidence That Demands a Verdict" by Josh McDowell. This is even a deeper dive. And then Dr. Gary Habermas, maybe one of the most profound and studied professors on the planet when it comes to the resurrection and the evidence of the resurrection. And so if you haven't read these, I would encourage you, if you were a thinker, if you just want to continue to understand why you believe what you believe, because Jesus proved himself to be God over and over again. And there is strong evidence that you can hang on to. Now I've got a bold thought for you. I've got a bold thought when we think about perspective. What if the miracle What if the miracle wasn't the storm Jesus calmed on the outside, but the storm that was calmed on the inside? Like it was a miracle that he calmed the storm on the outside, but what if the true miracle was the one that was calmed on the inside? You see, God calms the storms in the heart. I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've had the honor, the privilege, and the pain To walk with some people through some really difficult things. Like just in the last few months, I've walked with someone who has succumbed to cancer, but I was able to look at her and say, You have walked through this with such tremendous faith, with an example that anyone would say, Man, she must depend on and love Jesus deeply. She had long faith. I got to walk through a man uh, with uh, a man through an experience last year who had a a pretty serious procedure in the midst of COVID, whose faith was like leading the way in a group we were a part of. And we were all every week just blown away. And he had some personal family tragedies in the midst of that. And I can just remember we were all in all like showing what it's like to have strong long faith and that's what God wants that's the calm that God can give you on the inside because here's the truth peace isn't the absence of problems peace is the presence of God do you know that it's not the absence of problems peace is the presence of God It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's a peace that some people are going to see in you and not understand. How did you make it through that? Jesus was with me. How did you deal with that? That had to be so difficult. It was. It was the hardest thing. But I just walked with Jesus daily. How did you get through that? I just just walked with Jesus daily. The miracle... I really believe that happened was that their perspective changed In that moment they realized they were in the presence of god And a lesson I want to share with you today is that god may not always remove the problems you're facing But what if the miracle is that he gives you peace peace because he is he is with you Literally, he gives you peace because he's with you a peace that other people can see a peace that other people can't even understand You don't even understand why am I not freaking out? Why am, I, why am I holding it together? Because you're walking with him and you know that he's with you. And you know that he's the creator of the entire universe and he can handle what you're dealing with. And I think storms can reveal the depth of our relationship with God. In fact, very clearly, I believe this problems reveal our reliance on God. Like they can reveal it. They can reveal whether we are relying on him or not. See, I like to I like to cook out. I like to grill burgers and dogs. Not so much burgers, because I've got a football-playing son who, for some reason, won't eat a hamburger. I don't know whose kid he is. He literally won't eat hamburger. Now, he'll eat taco meat, which is? He'll eat spaghetti meat, which is? I don't know what's wrong with the kid. You throw it together in a patty, he ain't touching it. You'd think you're... T- one time have we ever gotten my son to eat a hamburger? He was five years old and we were at Red Robin and we like forced him. It was probably child abuse. Eat it. Come on, kid. We thought surely he's going to sink his teeth in it. He's going to go, Oh, you're right. He ate it, gagged it, spit it on his plate. We're like, what? Is, whose kid is this? So we make more steaks. So my son, I'm trying to, you know, bulk him up. He's a senior. He's going to be playing, uh, you know, cornerback and wide receiver. He's, he's got to get a little, you know, he's fast, but he needs a little bulk on him. If you see him, you know what I'm talking about. So I like to, I like to grill steaks. And I've learned that you got to get the grill really hot, right? If you, if you grilled a good steak, you got to get it really hot because you want to sear in the flavor. You want to sear the outside. You want to sear uh, the bottom, both. You want to just, you want that baby, all the juices in there. But the problem is sometimes it can look like it's done. On the outside, it can look like it's done. And occasionally I've been known to serve a little bit of a raw steak and I realize, okay, and guess what happens when you realize it's not done? You got to throw it back on the fire. And the only way to actually check to find out if it's done on the inside is you've got to cut into it. Now the piece of meat doesn't feel that but for us, sometimes when we get cut into it can reveal that we're not ready. And I know some of the times in my life I've had problems that when you really got down into it I realized I wasn't ready. I realized my faith wasn't long in duration. I realized that I still needed to walk closer with Jesus to help me get through that situation. And I don't know if that's the same for you But my hope is that when you go through that storm, when you go through that problem, that when your heart is revealed, it's revealed that you're there, strong walking with Jesus, and you know that he's with you. Your faith is of long duration because you have seen the evidence. Your memory is not short. When you realize you got me through that, God, you're going to get me through this. You got me through that, God, you're going to get me through this. So I don't know about you, you, but will you let the problems in your life, will you let them draw you closer to him. Will you, will you let the problems build a strong faith in you? That's what God wants. He wants us to have a long duration. He wants us to be able to share it with others. He wants us to be able to hang on to that hope, hang on to that peace that surpasses all understanding. Would you pray with me today? Father, we come to you today with with everyone just in a moment of prayer. This is a moment between them and you. And so maybe you're here today and maybe you're a thinker and today you actually understood the truth of the gospel. Or maybe you're in a place where you're so hurting and you've you've been trying to work through this problem on your own. You've kind of unintentionally stiff-armed God and realized today that he's the answer. And so today it'd be my honor to to walk with you through a prayer. Where you, from the quietness of your heart, can give your life to Jesus. And so, if that's you, would you just pray something like this Dear God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that he died on the cross for my sins. Thank you that he was willing to give himself freely as a gift that I don't have to pay for, that I can just receive by faith. Come into my life, Jesus. I need you. I'm weak. I'm hurting. I'm finally surrendering to you. I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. If that's you, in a moment, Pastor Mike will tell you how you can take your next steps in growing in this new relationship with Jesus. If you're here as a believer in the room, can I walk you through a prayer? Cuz if you're like me, you know so many times that the pressure, the problems have revealed that you're not ready yet. That you're still struggling too often in doubt and too often in worry, thinking that you're going to you're not going to make it through this one. That this is going to be the one that's going to do you in. That you're just that he's just not going to come through for you that he's not going to walk with you, would you just pray something like this? Father, I need you. Forgive me at times when I doubt, when I forget, when I don't remember your goodness, when I don't remember your faithfulness. Father, help me. Help me at times with my unbelief because I need you. I want to have a, a faith that is strong. I want to have a faith that is of long duration. I want, to be, I want to be someone who is, is a part of discipling others, not because I have all the answers, not because I, I've got it all figured out, but be, because I've learned a reliance on Jesus and now I'm just helping walk others through a close reliance on Jesus, spending time in his word, spending time in prayer, spending time just reflecting that you're with me, thanking you that you're with me. Father, this is our prayer today. And we love you, Lord.